It has been a great pleasure to get to know all of you in our time that Sue and I have been with you since July. And one of the people that has been a joy to get to know is Bobby Heitzman. Bobby has shared with me about the wreck that he suffered through uh, some years ago. And uh, he's been wanting to share with you about that and about how God saw him through it. So, Bobby, come on up. And uh, as you listen, it'll just, uh, it can amaze you. It could have gone a whole different other way. But, uh, Bobby, you tell your story and uh, bless our hearts. We need to stand here. Well, I tried to get Kat to do this, but that didn't work. <laughs> so I guess it's on me. Four years ago yesterday, started out a normal day. Got my truck stuck, got it out, went to the car wash in LaGrange, filled up the gas tank afterwards. I started for Newcastle, never made it. As these uh, pictures show, you first see that uh, shows uh, Bobby standing there in front of his truck in good shape. Uh, pretty soon, are, are you able to advance him? Yeah, there you go. He doesn't said he told me he doesn't really know what happened. Just the next thing you knew, he was sitting on the other side of the guardrail. You see the mess the truck was in, all knocked in there. And it really could have gone a different way. Bobby was laid out. There was a man that was kind of following him, saw it happen, that was there to kind of help him until the EMS came and had to keep him down you know it he wanted to get up and go on but got him to lay still and the ems came and and took him to the hospital and you can just imagine you just see that truck there the man said that it hit that guardrail and it just kind of went straight up and then came down and it's amazing if you can notice that tire it's a little dim up here the tire's about half buried there in the dirt where it came down. Quite a jolt, amazing. And you step in anytime if you want to, Bobby. You see the EMS back there in the back. And uh, so they, they, they came and took care of him, put him on a stretcher board, secured his neck. Had to watch that. You okay? Okay, go ahead. I'll stay here. I later found out that I had six fractures in my neck, two in my back. But I guess the most important <laughs> powerful experience. Jump on a couple more there, Drew, because there's a. Uh, uh, a lot of them are the vehicle, but there's, they're laying, laying out. I guess that when they first got you to the hospital, Bobby, is that what that was? Or looks like laying in the chair. 
those are the things uh, it shows that the damage that was done is what I'm guessing that says. Is that it? Yeah, the, the yeah. six on the left is the fractures in my left, in my okay. neck. The two on the right are the ones in my back. Yeah, okay. How many uh, surgeries did you have to go through? I just had one. One surgery. One okay. surgery. They, I don't know, Kathy, she knows more about that medical stuff than I do. But um, it's, uh, I guess the most important part out of all of it was the second night I was there. Kathy said it was the second night. I didn't know. But I saw something. Very emotional, and uh, we're all. But you're in a group that supports you and loves you. I mean, you, we're helping. Want to help you? You see the different ones. There's a different rehab had to go through there at the hospital, and uh, taking care of things. The second night I was there, I saw somebody standing at the foot of the bed. Did you feel a peace and a calm from it? Or did you, were you scared? No, there was only one thing he said hmm. that I can remember. Okay. And I said, in your time, in your time only, I'll get up out of this bed and I'll walk. Amen. In your time. Eight Good. days later, I was a pressure rehab walking. Wow. Amen. And yeah. it, it was... <clears throat> I remember one day that I was talking to the doctor at Frazier Rehab, and I told him, I said, you all are drilling me pretty hard, aren't you? <laughs> he said, yeah, but you remember you asked for this. And he was right, because Uvell was talking about a nursing home, mm. a skilled nursing home. And Kathy told him, <laughs> It's not going to happen. So you wanted them to work you to get you up. And today, I'm still recuperating. But I'm here. Amen. I'm here. You've been helping, uh, helping the church out some, taking care of some things, doing what you can. Worked with some guys taking some trees down the other day on your yeah. property, right? And... Kathy was there every step of the way. Amen. She put that back brace on me every morning so I could get out of bed. Changed that neck brace out. I had to be laying flat on my back to do that and roll over back and forth to put them on, take them off. And Kathy was there. Amen. <laughs> Bobby's told me his. Kathy was a big help, obviously, as he's saying, but a lot of people, he couldn't have made it without them, uh, that helped him and saw him through this. And uh, that's one thing, you know, that church friends and, and like believers, that's a benefit of being part of a community of faith because you're not only upheld with uh, physical help, but just the prayer and the support can help you through. And I apologize for the emotion but it's just hard sure it is 
It's just hard. Yep. Like I said, we're... There was somebody standing at the foot of the bed and the light was behind him and it was so unbelievably bright. You felt like they're there just to protect and give strength, or, or did you think he was calling you home? What, what? I didn't. I didn't know what was going. Didn't on. know what was going on. Sure. I just know that if anybody knows anybody out there that doesn't believe, then come talk to me. Hmm. You you had believed before, but there was something you felt like you needed to do after that. After that, I was. 61 years old, never been baptized. I did that right back here, probably as many of you know. And I feel like I'm in a little better place now than, than I was before that. He knew he needed to follow through with that act of testimony and obedience of being baptized. He put it off. And uh, Bobby and I talked some last Sunday and and he assures me that he, he knows where he's going now when the Lord calls him home and he's ready, not ready to go, but his, his, his soul's ready to where it, when that happens. Anything else? I think I'm about done. Okay. <laughs> about done for. Well, it's, it can be tough being up here in front of people, especially sharing something that was so traumatic in your life, and we appreciate you sharing with and us. I can tell you now from experience, it is tough being up here. <laughs> and if anybody doesn't believe that, I'll let you come up. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll let you come up and share a word of testimony, too. It's, uh, testimonies are great, and we appreciate you. Uh, we deacons met and prayed for Bobby beforehand to, to help him. We knew it would be tough. And uh, Bobby's been looking at doing this for a good while. Felt like he needed to do it. And I'm glad you did, Bobby. Yeah, I've been wanting to do it for a while. I just never could get up to yeah. the nerve to do it. And I hope I didn't embarrass myself too bad. No, we don't mind the tears. The, the tears just show us just how deep it means to you and speaks volumes. And uh, there's other people out here going through situations that are hurting, and, and you're, you can help just saying that, trusting in God, that he saw you through it. Okay. Yeah. Anything? Gonna say maybe next time I get Kathy do this. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Thank you, Bobby. It is difficult sharing something like that and something that uh, uh, just laid them out so completely. Uh, you were helpless for a while there, weren't you? Couldn't do anything yourself. And uh, praise God, you had Kathy there to help. And, and praise God, that man was behind you, that he could just kind of be there uh, for a little while. One of the things that struck me as Bobby was telling me the story, 
is just how normal the day started out. He'd had a friend that needed him to carry some wood, I think you said. And so he was helping a friend out like he does. Had loaded up his truck with wood, had delivered it, gone to LaGrange to clean up the truck. Regular day, just going to come on home, do some regular stuff. Like that, things had changed. We praise the Lord that he wanted Bobby to stay around. And, of course, I can't, not only uh, thinking of Bobby, but the same thing to me when we heard the news of uh, Jerry Brent's accident. That could have gone a whole nother way. And praise the Lord that he protected him through that. He's, like Bobby said, still struggling with some uh, recovery. But Jerry's here. He's able to go to the bank. We praise God. We got a good, loving God. He cares about each one of us. He knows what's going on with us. And he wants us to trust him. Let's look at our passage in Luke chapter 12, starting 35. We're going to talk about the whole chapter a little bit, but we're going to specifically read 35 through 40. I hope you have your word. It's, it's great to have it on the screen but there's nothing like looking in your word to read the scripture. Verse 35 of chapter 12. Be dressed, ready for service, and keep your lamps burning. Like men waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet so that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. I tell you the truth, he will dress himself to serve, will have them recline at the table, and will come and wait on them. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them ready, even if he comes in the second or third watch of the night. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. You also must be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Let's have a word of prayer. Our precious Heavenly Father, we give you thanks today. I thank you for Bobby. I thank you that you preserved him for us and for Kathy. Thank you that Kathy was there and others that helped. We thank you for our first responders, the EMS teams, the police that are out there to help us when we fall into trouble like that. And Lord, we lift them up because they're getting a lot of criticism these days. But we know they're good people trying to help others and they put their lives on the line for us. So Father, we praise you for them. Father, we thank you for your scripture because it gives us wisdom and insight. And we thank you for Jesus Christ who's with us all, who sent this messenger to be at the foot of Bobby's bed to let him know that he was being watched over. Father, we just pray that you would uh, continue to help Bobby as he gives his testimony to others, that it would stir their hearts. Let them realize they need to know the Lord in a sure way. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
As we look at these passages and as we look at chapter 12, it is another indication of how Jesus, I'll use a word I used sometime back, gave us a different paradigm, a different standard. I talked last week about how he expanded the law, how there was the Ten Commandments that gave a physical thing, thou shalt not commit a murder, and Jesus expanded that to say, but if you hate, you've committed murder. Jesus was radical in that sense. He, was, he expanded the teaching. He went against our common thought. He went against our, our common ways of doing things. And this really comes up here in chapter 12. One of the things, verse 8, chapter 12 of 8, when we stand up to give a testimony like Bobby did, this verse is great. I tell you, whoever acknowledges me before man, men, the Son of Man will acknowledge him before the angels of God, but he who disowns me before men will be disowned before the angels of God. So when we stand up for God, when we speak out for him, when we give a testimony, we have that assurance that Jesus is testifying on our behalf, that he's speaking up for us. One of the titles for Jesus is advocate. And we know an advocate can be a lawyer, is a lawyer, a public advocate. Jesus is our advocate. He stands at the right hand of the throne of God, interceding on our behalf, letting God know, just assuring that he's one of mine. He believes and he follows me. And what more powerful thing could there be in this life than to have the Son of God, to have God in the flesh, Jesus, testifying on your behalf? Then we go on to the section chapter 13 through 21. The end of the chapter is the more critical part. It's where a rich man is having a really good year. Bumper crops, he's really proud of what's going on. I don't know that he's real prideful especially, but he's counting his blessings and he's making his plans. And he says, I'm going to build extra silos and I'll be able to fill them up with grain and I have so much that I'll be able to just live off the proceeds of selling this grain for the rest of my life, and I can say, eat, drink, and be merry, and enjoy life. Normal thing to do. Any of us that have a farm, have had a farm, and you have a good year, you need those silos to store stuff so that you can sell it later on. So he was doing a normal business decision but he thought he had a handle on everything. And then the word comes to him, calls him a fool. You fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who's going to get what you have prepared for yourself? And thus the title of the sermon, No Guarantees. You know, we live day in, day out. I've lived 67 years. Some of you have lived longer. Some of you have lived less. Sun comes up each day, and we go on about our business. But like 
Bobby's situation on this day, we don't know when it's going to change. We've had, in my time here, we've had people that went unexpectedly. They hadn't been sick. Just the heart quits and they go. We don't know. We don't have a guarantee for tomorrow. We can play the dice. We can roll them. We can play roulette. We'll probably come out okay. We probably will get up, but we don't know. And so Jesus is not really criticizing this man because he was going to build barns and silos to store the grain. It's that he was so short-sighted that he thought that was the answer to all of his problems. And he, and that in his wealth, excluded God from what was going on. And that was the problem. And I don't think that this God coming to him was a punishment. I don't think God took his life because of this attitude. I think it was just his time, and it shows that he didn't know that his time was coming. He thought he could plan, and life was going to go on. But God said, this night your soul is required of thee. Jesus continues to tell us to think differently in the rest next of the chapter. He says, don't worry. And we all worry. We worry about having enough. We worry about are we going to be able to take care of our family? Are we going to be able to feed them? Are we going to be able to clothe them? And, of course, it's good to be diligent. Just don't want to be foolish, not go to work because the Lord will provide. Yeah, he provides through you going to work for you doing that stuff. But he doesn't mean for us to assess over that and worry. He expects us trust in him, especially when we get to those places that are beyond our control, that are needing more than we can provide, and we've all been there. And so he says, don't worry, trust in God. He takes care of the sparrows, we're taught. He knows when one of them falls. He clothes the fields and flowers. God blesses, and he cares, and he cares for you. He teaches us, don't lay up possessions here on earth. And this is real. This stood out to me a little more this morning as I was rereading it down. Let's go uh, verse 32 of chapter 12. Hope you have your Bibles open. Uh, Nope, let me back up. 29. Jesus saying, and do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it, for the pagan world runs after such things. And here's the clause. And your father knows you need them. You see, he's not saying we don't need a a car to get us to work. We don't need a comfortable house. He's not saying we don't need those material things. He knows we need them. But he's saying, don't obsess over them. Don't make them the focus of your life. Make him the focus and trust him to provide for you. And that provision comes through your working, through your efforts, through your preparation, through your planning. But it also comes through his benevolence to you, that his blessing to you. And so he's saying, don't count on yourself completely for these things and don't make them the sole thing you're working for in life. Jesus says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and what? All these things will be added unto you. 
So he's trying to get us to give a different focus. Instead of focusing on the things, focus on him. He'll provide the things. He knows you need them. And then we have our passage there we read, 35 through 40, and that verse 40 is the key verse. You must be ready because the Son of Man will come in an hour when you do not expect him. That may be when we lose our last breath. We may be asleep. We may not. But it also can mean when he comes in the air because the Bible teaches us that just as the lightning comes from the east to the west, so will the coming of the Son of Man be. And people were going about their business, and he's going to appear. So he's saying, be ready. Be ready by keeping him the focus of your life. Be ready by living for him. Be ready by serving him and trusting him to meet those needs in your life, to address uh, the concerns in your life, to protect you, to keep you. You know, as Bobby shared with me about that being at the end there in his room in the great light, I shared with him I had a similar experience. I was a student in Atlanta, lived on 10th Street, not the worst part of town, but not a great part of town. Woke up one night, and sure as you're in front of me here today, I know there was a, a being, an angel or whatever, sitting at the foot of my bed. See it? I can see it right now. I wasn't scared, didn't have fright, don't know what was going to happen. Nothing did happen. And I've assumed that there was potential danger that night and that that was one of his angels there to watch over. I take that in faith and trust. And God watches over us. He cares for you. He goes on and, and teaches more about peace but, not, but division. He said, I've, I've not come to unite everybody. I'm going to separate father and mother and son and child. And then interpreting the times, the end of it, all through that passage, God's saying, don't focus too much on the here and now. In the Old Testament, we're, we're taught, the psalmist said, we are but a vapor. If we live a long time, if we live 120 years, it's still just a vapor in eternity. Be concerned with eternity. Be concerned with what's going to happen. And earlier in the chapter, it says, Jesus says, don't be concerned about those around you. Be concerned about the one who can resign your soul to hell. Harsh words in a, from Jesus. We don't expect that. But he, he does teach it. That is a possibility if we ignore Christ in our life, if we don't turn to him, if we reject his gift, if we reject his salvation. He's got ever the gift laid out for us, but if we don't want it, he doesn't force us. He gives us that will to choose that. So he's teaching us don't do, don't live normally. Normally is taking care of me, providing for my needs, doing what I need so that I can eat, drink, and be happy. But live for me, 
Jesus is saying, not me. Live for God and all these things, these concerns, these needs that you have will be added unto you. And, and that takes a shift in our thinking. And, it ta- and, and it's a challenge because there is a balance there of our involvement and we take the skills and the abilities and the body that God gives us and we, we do use it to do what we need to do and to do his will. But the challenges of this life are beyond us. And so we rest in him for that which we cannot do. And he will provide as we trust him. And so that's his call today. None of us have a guarantee about tomorrow. You'll probably be here, God willing. But there's no promise. But we do have the promise that we have a Savior who has paid the price so that you can know that when that time comes, now, 20 years from now, that you'll be ushered into the presence of Almighty God. And you can know, uh, I preached a funeral this, this, uh, this week, and I shared with them, the, the Apostle John in 1 John uses no 32 times so that you can know that you have eternal life. And you can get that settled and you can have peace in your life. You may have turmoil going on, but inside you can have peace because you know the Father, you know He knows you, and you know that no matter what comes or however long it comes, on that day, eternity is taken care of. We spend so much time trying to protect ourselves in this world and not to diminish anybody that is being careful about this coronavirus. Need, need to, need to. But how many are so obsessed over that but don't worry about their eternal soul? They don't worry about knowing Jesus. They think they've got everything under control. They think through their strength they can beat the virus. They think through their strength they can succeed. But God would say to them, you fool, your soul is required of thee. So yes, be prudent. Take care of that which you need to take care of. Plan your budget. Don't spend money foolishly. Don't do foolish things. Don't don't act. Don't go places you shouldn't go. But don't think you can handle it all. Trust in God. He'll provide and you'll have the abundant life. And then the last thing is God calls all of us who know him to tell the others about him. Let's go to the word in prayer.